we've not planned. And it used to frustrate me that Brian didn't plan. He winged everything. I wanted to have a little bit of preparation. I, I still, I do a little bit of preparation, and I don't plan, because I do not know what's going to happen. I, God said this morning, loving, loving kindness, and then I, oh, it's gone. His unfailing goodness. Unfa- unfailing goodness, never. Oh, I don't know, it was something that was in that last one, that about his goodness never fails, that's it, that'll do. And that is where we come from, because whatever's happened is totally amazing, and um, it is because of his loving goodness never failing, and because of prayers. So it's lovely that today is prayer day, because that's all you need, you know, that's really all you need. What I've got here is people that we're involved with. I don't even think I've got them all here. So if you pass this round, there's probably two each. If their name crops up, while we're talking, you might know about them. God knows about them. There's not wasn't time to do a, what, everything. Or you can come and ask me for their story, because each one has got a, a beautiful story. So that's your work. <laughs> and um, I really don't know where to start. Some people know, um, and some people don't. Because so, there's new, some new faces, and there's lots of old faces. Old, old faces, actually. And um, so what happened, the gist of what happened was after a very failed marriage, don't know when it was, 30 years ago, God rescued me. I went up to my room and said, whatever you want. I surrendered. I said, fantastic. Thank you, Jesus, you rescued me. He's rescued many of us out of all sorts of different darknesses. In fact, all of us. And I was really in a big gratitude. I had my own little house and fine. Whatever you want. And I'm praying on my knees. I don't often go on my knees, especially since then, because of what's happened. Because in the back, behind me, this little, outside of me, not booming, but a voice said, I have work for you in Somaliland. I'd never heard of Somaliland. I turned around and said, you mean Swaziland? No, Somaliland? I don't know where that is. I don't like that. That's crazy. If that's you, God, you will have to bring it about because it sounds hot and Muslim to me. So that was my reaction to, here you have everything. I'd like a youth hostel in Jerusalem. don't know why I wanted it, but that's what I felt I wanted. Time went on. We got together. I think we knew each other before that, but we, we, got, to, we got married. We came into YWAM. I cooked at YWAM. We went to South Africa, I cooked in South Africa, um, etc. 2012, God taught, we knew something was changing. We were working in the prisons. When I was in the prison, I was just visiting community schools, cooking schools, lots going on. Wherever you are, there's always something to do. Doesn't, your neighbor can, you can talk to your neighbor. It's nothing about being on the big field. It's being in your field that God says to be in, the most important thing. And in that particular point, it was South Africa. And 2012, he was saying, this field is too much of a comfort zone. You're having too good a time. What about what I said to you whenever that was? don't know. And we, he, when I was 70 and I was 60, it was like, let's go have an adventure. Let's go out there and see, you know, because you don't know if that was the word. At least I had a, a husband that was willing to go out there. And at least I had a husband that said, okay, we'll put it on the shelf, but about Somaliland. So we, we, we were coming here. 
somebody wanted to take the house for seven months. I mean, you think we'll go out there for a couple of months. Seven months we were suddenly homeless for. And like Abraham and, and Sarah, we have been sojourning. 81 beds later, we get back to Kenya and... Um, Praise God, we got in. We got into Somaliland from the 27th of um, December to the 3rd of January. And it was just the right time, the right people, everything. I think I might come back and tell that story because it's so good. Along the way, what are you going to do when you get to Somaliland? I'm not a teacher. We're not nurses. Certainly not. Maggie, where are the nurses? I'm not a nurse. I am not. I can't do that. And these are the things that people usually do on the, on, the, on the Muslim foreign field because you need a cover. You can't go in and say, Jesus loves you, uh, etc. And what are we going to do? And he, what evolved was, I'm a cook and Brian's maintenance, does maintenance and he's an evangelism, evangelist. And um, fuelless um, ways to save money, cooking. So it's great. And there were stories how he showed it all to us. It really was, has been a good, interesting journey. And we ended up with um, how to, uh, solar ovens and um, a fireless basket where you cook your food on a, on a stove or gas or charcoal for three minutes or ten minutes. You put it into this basket, you walk away, and dinner's done. And, and a rocket stove. There's a picture somewhere there, which is... God is so sweet. Brian loves fires, camping, you know. So he gave him rocket stoves. And he potters around in the garden, makes these rocket stoves and designs this and does that. So there are little, there are tools, so to speak. And I bought this because this is the new solar. And I, for anybody that went back years ago, when we made our first solar, we made it out of cardboard boxes and it didn't work. It was flopping all over the place. And I bought, we brought it out to the church. We said, we're going to Africa with this. And I think there were a few looks, kind of, Nick, what is going on here? Because it really didn't work. But eventually, it's a story in itself, and it really, really does work. And this is the basket we've gone in and demonstrated to, into, into Hargisa. Brian will tell you about Somaliland and Somalia being two different places. And um, that's what, wow, when you're coming back? We're interested. I mean, there's more to it. So that's a bit of an outline, yeah? Um, I think there's other things that God wants us to say this morning rather than a story of going to Somaliland. But all I will say, can say to every single person here, is if God says something to you, even if you're not too sure if it's God, you've got this unction, it's God. It doesn't matter how long it will take. He will bring it about. He will bring it about. Just be open. To everybody in whatever big or little situation it might be. So that's my little bit first, and then we're just going to go to and fro somehow. You want to do something? Smart, whatever you want to talk about. Okay, so is this on? Do I need this? Yeah. Do I need this? Okay, okay. So we're in Nairobi, and we've uh, traveled to refugee camps, well, one especially called Kakuma, which is up on the northwestern border of Kenya, bordering Sudan. It's a huge refugee camp, and we had the opportunity to go there and demonstrate our solar cooker and, and the basket and teach refugees how to make these things. 
and uh, it's very interesting to fly up there in a small plane and uh, we, we, we were successful to the degree where the day I set up the solar the sun wasn't shining and usually it's a very very hot place and I was like uh, on the verge of panicking what am I going to do here? There's no sun. How can I demonstrate this? So we went ahead and put it out there in, uh, in front of this little church we were. And about two hours later, the sun came out and I was able to cook some rice, which everybody ate and everybody saw that this thing really worked, you know? It wasn't sunny because I'd prayed that it wouldn't be sunny because I was so afraid of the heat up there. It's very <laughs> it kind of backfired when the solar wasn't cooking. <laughs> okay, so we, we did a medical camp too, which was very successful with the rocket stove. The, this thing really resonates with women who have a family who are in poverty. You know, it saves them quite a lot of firewood. And I, I saw the look on their face once the rocket stove started to go and the beans were boiling like mad after about five minutes, you know. And that was a success story up in a place called Embu. And it was a medical camp where they, these doctors in Kenya invite all the villagers and everybody that has an ailment to come and get free treatment. And uh, while... While they were doing that, we were in outside the, the school where the medical camp was demonstrating uh, these things, the, the solar oven and the rocket stove and the basket. We were just uh, showing them uh, how to do this. Means to an end. Everything, as you can understand, is a means to an end. These projects are to get relationship with that person, talk to them, they'll ask you where you're coming from, uh, and gives you an opportunity to point them to the cross. That's the, this is the means to that end. And I can honestly say I had some very interesting conversation with Muslims in Somaliland. While Trish was demonstrating the basket, how to make it and cook with it, the men are separate. And we sat in another part of the NGO, and I just managed to talk about Isa, Jesus, to them, and Muhammad, the difference. And they were very, very uh, kind of adamant that God has no sons. And I said, well, just let's leave that there right now. You know, what about the beginning with Muhammad in Medina when he went to, you know, when he went from Mecca to Medina? And we had some very, very interesting conversations. And that, to me, was the whole point and purpose of being in Hargeisa, to sit there and talk with these guys who hardly would ever, ever meet a Christian. Now, Somaliland is quite Sunni Muslim, which is a darker shade of Islam, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's very, very strict, very strict. But uh, we have been invited back. I'm looking for the backing of prayer for us when we go back there in December. You know, so these doors that are open to us, I will have the opportunity 
to share with more people. So I think I'll tell you the Somaliland story and then we'll let it move to wherever it goes because you've heard to go in. Um, along the way, um, in 2012, we met this... We were, when we went in, we went to a Somali retreat um, for Christians that become Christians and it was terrible. It was, it was, we were so out of place. The missionaries were speaking the language. They were doing this with the children. They were that... It, we didn't know where, how we could cope. You know, there was, they were all in their hijabs and um, long dresses and stuff. It, it really didn't, we didn't know how it could happen. But there we met this woman. This woman came up. Um, I'm not going to say her name because this is going on the website, so I don't want anything happening. And uh, she just said, um, she said to these women, she said, what have you got in your hands? What have you got in your hands? Meaning, what, who are you? That's how you deal with it because smiles on the whole can... It's a bit tricky sometimes. It's a bit few, too many handouts sometimes. So they're kind of getting dependent or people are getting dependent on others. NGOs are just giving handouts so they don't look to help themselves. Not all the time, but this is a, a, a point. So she said, you know, this... And, and I sort of turned around. I was just in awe of this woman. It was amazing. And eventually, uh, next few days later, we met her, I met her in, the, um, in, a, in a mall. And we had a milkshake together. And we just clicked as people, as women, as sisters. Something happened. And we became friends. When we, um, we went, came back, we were only there seven weeks, uh, we came back. And when we went back there, it was three or four years later, I could never connect with her. Meanwhile, her husband was arrested and put in prison and stuff. And I could never connect with her. International calls, I don't know why. But anyway, she, we went to see her, and she said, I've been hearing this. I've been wanting something to go to touch my people. Because, again, not everybody can just go in everywhere. So we walked a journey, and she actually took a lot into, um, into Mogadishu. You know, you've heard of Mogadishu, where all the bombs are going off and everything. And, um, and we, we became good friends with the family and, you know, they would come and stay with us over the weekend. She's got five amazing children. And the relationship went on. We've ended up, our last six weeks, God just takes you who you are. You know, you may not be a doctor and all that stuff, but whoever you are, we, we are official grandparents to that in, that in the Somali family that are really leadership in... In, in discipling and finding, converting, and all that they do. It's a pretty strategic place to actually be, but we're the grandparents, and we love it, and it's genuine. It hasn't been, let's find a Somali to be friends with. It's really there, and it's great, because we don't have grandchildren. I mean, that brand's got one, but we're not too connected. But we don't have it, and God knew that we needed that healing. We need to be part of a family. You know, we all need... We're part of this family. It makes me rich to be here today it's not um, let's find a church it's, I know we're part of this and it's, it's, something happens and um, it, we have one in South Africa too when we go there it's some, we're part of something you all, it's why people are lunatics and lonely and street gangs and things like that because they don't feel part of something they want to find the family on the street they call the, the street people they, they refer to it, the family but it's not a real family. It's, it's whatever worked that day, etc. So we, we, for us, it's wonderful. We're part of that. And in God's plan, it's, it's amazing. 
I want to ask for some personal prayer because there's a little issue going on there. I don't understand it, and it's hurting me. It will be resolved because it's part of God's plan. But if you want to pray about any one little thing, please pray on that. I don't want to go into detail, but it's, 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 it's important. So we came out of that, and then through that... Um, she met somebody who is, she calls herself CIA in Mogadishu. She sort of does community development. She is um, teaching the Beatitudes to Muslim youths. They don't know it's the Beatitudes, but they're being taught it. She's a good girl. And then doing a lot of uh, things with women, um, entrepreneurial um, farming things. And then the Al-Shabaab come and they just take it. It's really tough there. So somebody's got her name um, on there. I don't want to say it, but on one of your sheets, somebody. And then, um, so she, uh, the, the um, Somali friend, linked us with her. She came and she said, I'll get, you, I'll, I'll get you in. You know, she liked us. We had lunch. I cooked very nice for her. She likes food, so it worked. And she said, I'll figure out something for you. And eventually she, she did. And they were both going to go in there in November, and I had a kind of unction that this is not right. I don't know, this isn't the right time, something's wrong. I didn't know whether it was, I ultimately, after making Brian go down this road for six years, I was scared. I didn't want to do it. I didn't know what was the unction. But actually what it was, was that we found out that there was a general election, this is mid-November, general election happening in um, Hagisa, not a good time to go, which is legitimate, you know, and then, and then also a bomb went off in Mogadishu and our contact, if you like, um, was in the hospital just helping, because that's what she does. She depends on what happens. So it wasn't a good time, so we went for the December. And I just, uh, what, we went in not knowing anybody. We, there was a woman that I was writing to in the hotel and had to change it from November to December. That was the only person I actually had connected with. The other two were going to be um, this, this woman's um, neighbor, who she'd lived next to, door to when she was there, and a translator, because the neighbor didn't speak any English. So we're on this plane wondering, where are we going to? What's going to really happen? And I was very scared. I mean, I, whoa. We didn't take a... Bible. We didn't take. I didn't take business cards. I we, but we did take a suitcase between us, and we took in um, the completed kits, completed baskets as presents. Five of them, and then the tricky bit was having five training kits in a sack, it's in in a as a contained thing, which was, you know, my friend said, be careful at the at the customs. Don't say training. Don't do this. So. It was a little bit of an issue, what would happen. And I'm saying, Brian, what's our story? He says, oh, wing it, wing it, we'll work it out. I'm thinking, but you might tell a different story to me. And, oh, whatever. Anyway, we got, we were, we got in. We were arrived. And because we had these four cases, the porters run to take it because they want their $5. And Brian says, I'm not going to pay you from here to there. And he asked, do you not realize we bypassed customs? We don't have to say what we're doing, why we're here. And I, started, I could see guards on this case, all right? Then we get to this very nice hotel, because if you can get a visa, if you stay in a hotel, they, they organized it, and they just came with the visas, because that can be a, a situation. So that was good, you know, and, and the first person I met in the lift was a woman from Croydon, five miles, a Somali woman living five miles away from where my mum lives. 
So I thought, it's just like, here we go, God, let's see what happens. And things started, uh, nice room and nice food. And, blah, blah. and then these two people came the next day and all their Muslim stuff and whatnot. Really sweet, nice people. Well, the first host that had been arranged couldn't make it. She was away on training. So that's why we got these two people. Timing, timing. And um, uh, she, the translator, happened to be the advisor to the leader of the opposition. They'd lost, but she was still the advisor to the leader of opposition. She was also an advisor to two NGOs, and one was environmental. They'd love to hear your baskets. Great. Then, this is funny, so who are you? She's talking. She says, oh, my dad went to Wales. Because what happened was 20 years ago, when the war happened, everybody was sent all over the place, from Wales to Minnesota to um, Australia, uh, Luton, all sorts of places. So everybody's all over the place. But as Brian said, now the diaspora is coming back, and there will be people that speak English, because we don't do languages, you know. So... um, yeah, and she's saying, and my dad was in merchant navy, ended up in Wales, and, all that. and I said, you know what, that reminds me of a story. So I just want to backtrack you. I hope you're following this, but I was there, I know what's happened, but so communicating it, I'm sorry if you don't get there, but in 2012, when we'd made this decision to go, nothing had happened about Somaliland, we'd just gone. Um, from the, for seven days, God did something to do with Somali people. Well, strange things. One was, I don't know if you know, Maggie's wife trained to be a midwife. And she's, we got here, and she says, oh, I had this woman, she's had 12 children, and I delivered her baby from Somalia. Strange. The butcher. The butcher. Our butcher, you know that, those, those trailers out there? He's a, Dave's a friend of mine, you know, that sell the, butch, the meat in Nuneaton. He's, he's a good friend, and I bought my meat from there, etc. And he said, oh, I've got a friend who um, he used to, who, who knows who, used to pay him. He has a, a, an aeroplane, a plane, and they would, he would, they, people would pay him to go and take the ransom money into Somalia. Off-the-wall things. Now, when we got to my mum's, looking at the television, I'd seen, um, oh, goodness gracious, a guy, Christopher Reeves, is going around the Indian Ocean, and that day, he was stopping in Mogadishu and Hargeisa. Well, we didn't see it that day. We saw it later. The picture, the, the documentary was all sorts of chaos going on in Mogadishu, and the guy was running and scared. And, and then the, the Hargeisa was um, all nice, safe, and happy. Uh, they have, I don't know, it's thousands of, I don't know how many shillings there are to a dollar. So the money exchangers, they sit there with all this stack of money and nobody, it's not covered, there's no protection. And it just made a story. And the other story was this woman, this Welsh woman, had gathered, I don't know who they were, kids from Hargisa, I mean, and taken them to the beach in Berbera. Now, Berbera's got a bit of a story for us, but this is what happened. And it was showing that. So I'm telling her, oh, you know, trying to make conversation with the leader of the opposition's advisor. I, I don't meet those people usually. But, um, I, yeah, I said, I said it to her. She goes, that was me. So the Welsh woman in the documentary was sitting in front of us <laughs> from five, six years ago, if you get that. That's, like, amazing. 
And she goes, oh, well, if that's what brought you to Somaliland, I'm really pleased. And I thought, well, you know, actually, you know, I think God's after you. <laughs> it's a bit more than that is, come, is going on here. But it was another little, little God story, you know. And then we went into uh, the guys from the NGO came and met us in the, in the beach. We were on New Year's Day swimming in the beach, swimming in the sea. Had to wear all the leggings and cover yourself up and everything. But it was, it was great. And they came, we made friends, made relationship. The demonstration went really well. Um, and when are you coming back? You know, let's do it again. Well, I don't think we can stay in a hotel again. Well, you can stay with me. How about a visa? I can get you a visa. Uh, you know, why not? Well, when's it, what's the weather like? <laughs> and uh, That's why it's December, January. And it goes on that um, when we got back to where we're living Nairobi, and um, the coordinator rings said, oh, the Chamber of Commerce, Muna from the Chamber of Commerce wants to talk to you. Okay, and she wants in. She wanted baskets. She likes the idea. She's heard about it. And actually, after we'd left, we wound the thing down to try and finish while we travelled back. We're here because my mum's 93, and it's time to help. It's time to be here for a bit. And uh, when we came back, um, yeah, so, so after we'd left, she actually came and took, bought 10 kits for her and 10 kits for the NGO. And they're trying to train people. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they can, I, we did manuals and we'd never done that before, a completed kit, you know, with the material and stuff. So anyway, that, that's where it's at. Um, they've got funding, they've got, they why don't you come and be a consultant? And I said, well, you know, in December, January, we'll, we'll help you. Meanwhile, let, just contact me. I'll help you from here. And I said to her, because I do my little evangelism bit, fine. <laughs> um, and I just said, look, Muna, we're, we're different faiths, but we, both of us care about the person in front of us. You know, we, the woman in front of us, we care about. And let's meet on that ground, and let's see if we can get show people how to make their own basket and save some money, and we'll see where it goes. You know? So that's really where we're up to with the story. We come back from Mum, who's 93. Okay, leave Somaliland. We are witnessing a miracle in my home. I did not connect with my mum. It just it hasn't ever happened. We're not, we're not friends. She's actually quite disdainful to me. She, doesn't, she, she just sees this. She doesn't see me. She came up here once for one of our fundraisers, and her comment was, I didn't know you could do all this. So she didn't even know the work I did. And I didn't know people liked you. That was her comment. And it, it, she stayed in, she seems to stay there. All right. And when we arrived, it was a, a list of things that we were going to do to help the house. And she also says she wants to sell it. Halfway through, Brian lost his foot, or he damaged his foot driving the car that my sister had helped me get. And he was on crutches for a week. Her comment was, look at this, he's a mess. He's no good to me, why don't you go home? And that's the level. That was about three weeks ago, maybe. Yeah. Okay, now, whatever's gone on since then, I mean, Brian got well, and he's a gung-ho, and he's a strong man. He went down to this quarter-acre garden on the slope, and he has strummed it and mowed it and raked it, and she's watched from the window, and she's gobsmacked. She didn't know that went on. I mean, when I said she's 76, well, I'm 93, so what? 
but she because she's just got that cover. But whatever, whatever, a lot of prayer because I've, God showed me we had a fight one night. I don't know why we've gone this way, but anyway, I, we had a fight one night, and um, you know, f- you and your mom. me and my mum. <laughs> all right so me and my mum which I don't do because I'm the quiet one I just keep quiet I keep out of the way everything but I did and fortunately and it wasn't nice my mum said I've never seen you like this and then I went to a prayer meeting we were going to a prayer meeting and a real one was soaking and um, real you know not, not the thing that she does and everything but I'm not saying that's not real either but whatever and God spoke to me, it's not you, it's not just her, it's you, you, your control, you, uh, your bits met her bits, you know, and that was what really was going on there. And she doesn't know any better, but you do. So it's really started to work in me to figure me out a bit more to the next stage, all right, and, um, and make some turnarounds and do some, I promise you, Brian, I'm going to make some turnarounds. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, it's really God is not just in, he's not interested in the story. He's interested in you, your your progress through things. You know how how you're going to work this out His way, because His way is so much more difficult than our way. We are a complete our human nature. How we are is so different to how He is. Unconditional love. Who's ever who gets it? Who does it? Even with people you really love, is it unconditional? I don't know. But that's the road he wants us to go on down, you know, and um, successful or not, I don't know. But um, loving kindness is at the core of all of the issues. It's not, it's not power and it's not um, fancy words. Don't, don't preach the gospel unless you're going to go really deep with loving kindness. Whatever you can touch that day, whatever you're able to do. can't all do everything. That's my little thing. Um, We've got a funny situation going on at the moment in our house in South Africa. We've got a great thing in January. We've, we've got this house that we were in for five years. And it's got a lot of space and we developed it and everything. And we had a family in there for four years. They didn't want other people living on the property, so it went downhill. But basically in January, we've got this great thing happening where um, a, an American couple are going to run it as a counselling care school, a care counselling school or whatever, because it's got big rooms and, and there's space and everything. And that's great. We're heading towards that in January and feeling, okay, that now we could, wherever we're going to be, at least we'll have a little bit more money. And then, um, but, uh, uh, but then, so I told the tenants and they... Because they, didn't, they were on trust, there was no deposit and there was no lease, they upped and left within two weeks, this family, and left the house empty. I needed a house sitter at least, maybe not a renter yet, words out. And then the, I phoned my friend, somebody's got Sonia. Somebody has got Sonia on their prayer list. You have the most godly, beautiful woman in this world. We, we all got our bits of godly, but... This is a woman born with cerebral palsy. Didn't stop her. Family always encouraged her. Uh, drove, social worker, had a boyfriend, had to leave the boyfriend at one point, and then founded House of Hope, which has uh, um, been going 15 years. On the 22nd of June, 15 years, or 23rd of June, 
15 years for abandoned uh, women abused. Um, people, would, it got knock, people knocked on the door, she took them in. And it's grown and it's established and it's good. They, unfortunately, the cerebral palsy has also grown that, to the point where she should have a hip replacement, but the muscles are so bad, the specialists say she can't have it. That's a lot to take and elephantitis in the feet as well. So she's a very slow, slow mover, and, um, but she, it, 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 the pain is terrible, but the mind and the spirit is so sharp. And um, so anyway, I phoned her up. We spent three weeks with her. I phoned her up, Have you got, what about your supervisor from the House of Hope? Could they house it? And she said, well, I've got these two women with me. They could, um, you know, we prayed earlier on. Maybe they could move in and... Uh, and they've moved in and they won't move out and they won't pay. And they know the law and she's the police and she's take, we have to take them to court to get them out in three months. It's really hicky-dicky. But I really am. We are all right. Normally, this would send me down, down Dune Alley. I would be furious. And I am annoyed. But <laughs> it's a different thing. It's like we're sitting in the middle. I think I said to the SBS yesterday, you know that surf, the surfing films you see where... There's that bit in the middle where the, where the Banzai surfer goes. Banzai pipeline. Banzai pipeline. All right. I feel we're in there, both of us. Both of us as well. It's not just me or him. We're really sitting in it. I said a little comment last night. He said, don't think about it. It's, God's taking care. Mainly because God's taking care because we know that Sonia is taking care of it with God. I mean, she will, she will not give up on this. This is... She will treat it. She's got to that. She's actually has prayed now. Not well, been praying, but and God has said He's going to meet her in this. So he's, she says we're praying repentance into this. These girls are going to meet with God in this. And meanwhile, I'm very annoyed that they're upsetting my friends, and we're very annoyed that she, they're upsetting her. Whatever. It's, I think it's growth. Something. You don't know it till the situation comes and how you actually behave in it or what happens when you know you're growing or whatever the word might be. Okay. Okay, I, I, you want to talk more? Do you want to say anything? If you do, otherwise I've got another idea. No, I'll just wait a couple of minutes. Okay, that's who we are and that's what we're doing in Africa. Okay? We're promoting these projects to get an opportunity to share the gospel with uh, with Muslim people. Okay. Uh, do I need to show you this basket? Do, I, do you want to see that or should we do something else? Oh, okay. You want to show them? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. What we do, we go to Lake Victoria in Kenya, where up on the mountain there are some weavers of this kind of stuff. So we source the baskets from there. And Tanzania. And Tanzania, right? And we buy the, the bear basket. We get them sent back to Nairobi. Then we have a little class in our house to teach women how to make the basket. Now, what it is, first of all, with the bear basket, you put some newspaper in newspaper in the basket. Then you put some blanket felt, blanket felt over the newspaper. 
and it's quite thick. Then you cover that blanket felt with plastic and then this black material. Then you have an insulated, insulated basket. Right? Now, what happens after you cook your food for about three or four minutes, sometimes a bit longer if it's beans, you would take the pot, you would take the pot off the, the fire and press it in the basket where it's empty and then put this thing on top of it. Now, the beans or the rice or the meat will continue to cook in there over a period of two or three hours. So you can prepare your, your food, say, at 12 o'clock midday, and by about 4 or 5 o'clock, your meal is completely cooked. Now, what's happened is you saved fuel. You've saved fuel by not having your beans on there for probably 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. You know, you've only, you've only started the water to boil. Put your beans in there, and about three, four hours later, the beans are cooked right through. Uh-oh, I'm getting interrupted. No, 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 I'm okay. just think, no, okay. no, I just wanted to know if there's, if you want to know about, come and we'll show you that bit. I don't know if you wanted to, there were things you really wanted to say this morning. I, 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 if you don't, I have. Yeah? Okay, it's not me. I, I, I'll talk anything you want to know, names, stories about all that, fine. But I've, I've got it on my heart, and she's going to really do me. Is Maggie shared something with me yesterday, us yesterday, and I want her to share it with you. I'm switching complete game plan, really. I, but I know God said to do it. I'm feeling it now, and she's going to really do me. But, no, what you were sharing at the table yesterday about what's happening in Nuneaton with the young folk and children and stuff. I mean, this is the woman has interceded for maybe thousands of people. And I'm asking us to intercede with her for what's on her heart, which she shared yesterday. I, I don't get much prophetic, but I knew God said sound the trumpet. Mercy, our friend from Kenya that's come over, she's our neighbor and our friend and she's here to help her son with a baby and we're grabbed her away from the, I don't think the baby's happened yet, but anyway, Mercy said the same thing to her, but she hadn't, I find out she didn't hear me say that. So that's God. So let's go, Maggie, will you share with your family what you were telling us yesterday, where you, what you feel about what's happening in Nuneaton with the young people? Please, sorry, I know, I know she's going to be so angry, she may never talk to me again, but that's what I feel, that's what I feel. Oh, Please, okay. thank yeah, you. We were, having our usual, we were having our usual Trish, Brian and Maggie chat, because I, a lot of you don't realise what um, responsibility I have at the King's Lodge. Part of my responsibility is to look after Brian and Trish while they're out there, but I can tell you that another time. A job uh, description. <laughs> anyway, uh, we were having this conversation, and I was just, as they were telling me their story, we all have a story to tell, I told them the picture of what I see happening in Nuneaton spiritually and on another level. And basically, just very quickly, it was to do with um, protecting children. Um, the, the children are vulnerable, and I went down the whole education, what children are being 
taught political, this political correctness and how I was asking for their prayer as well as them asking me for my prayers and intercessions. Uh, and, and I was saying how a lot of this political correctness is creeping into the churches of accepting that this is what happens. Okay, I, if you want to know any more detail, come and speak to me because it's all very, very sensitive because Nick and I belong to Christian Institute and Christians for Traditional Marriage. Okay, one woman, one man. Okay, as in a biblical uh, perspective. So, um, we, then both Mercy and Trish felt they needed to tell me something and the way I should go, and it resonated with my spirit as well. So, um, I don't want to take any more time because I really feel we should be praying for Brian and Trish. Who do you want me to hand this to? You can I, always speak to me anytime. I, um, yeah, yeah, but I sound the trumpet. I made her do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm just going to read from um, Isaiah 60 at the start. Um, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, we all like these verses, and we all read them, and we all take into them and say this is talking to us but I missed out a bit and I missed that bit out quite deliberately and I'm going to read it with that bit in and this puts it into context arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you for behold darkness shall cover the earth and the thick darkness the peoples but the Lord will arise upon you You see, there's no Christian witness without darkness. There is no light without challenge. There's no witnessing for God without opposition. And we face a strange time. I was thinking while we were there, for those of us who were sort of brought up from the 1950s, you know, we went through a time of almost blessed um, cover in this country. But as Maggie said, we now face darkness coming into our land here in in very, very serious moral issues, which are uh, affecting our, our nation extremely badly. I'm not going to get any further than that tonight. You're facing the darkness that comes from other uh, faiths and other religions, which are now spreading and becoming more confident. It's the normal Christian state to face darkness. And that is where God is victorious. So let's not be frightened of the darkness. Let's, Let's get out there and rise and shine. And we all have our own personal darknesses. You have your darkness both personally and you have it with the, the nations you're going to. Every one of us has our own personal darkness. Please, don't be frightened of the darkness. God is greater than the darkness.